Okay, <coughs> let's start with a question tonight. I'll pose to you a question. If you were asked this evening, what is the most important relationship in your life this evening? If, how would you answer that? The most important relationship at this point in your life. What is it? If you're young, or if maybe you're very young, maybe you'd say the relationship with your parents as uh, the most important relationship of all. If you're a little bit older, maybe you would see your relationship with a, a particular friend, or maybe your spouse as the most important relationship. Or if you're old, really old, like I feel, then maybe you would see uh, that the most important relationship is that you have with one of your children, with a child. So there's a, there's a host of different answers that we can give to the question. Well, I guess the obvious thing that I've got to say to you this evening, our starting place, is that as wonderful as all of those connections are, tonight, this point in your life, the most important relationship you have is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is. That your walk with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, it outweighs all other connections and relationships you have in terms of importance. And this evening, as we can look at this really short section of the Bible, it is that, it is your personal walk, your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that comes under the microscope, that is focused on and comes under scrutiny. And the first thing that I think we need to notice here is an intimate love, an intimate love. So let's get to this portion of scripture, an intimate love. It's fair to say, isn't it? Like even a really cursory look at this section of scripture reveals something that's unusual. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't that unusual? Something remarkable. These two men that we're dealing with, David and Jonathan, they've got something else, don't they? They have this wonderful bond. And it's, isn't it something, it's an intense and it's a very truly intimate kind of connection that these two men have got. You agree with that, don't you? It's really unusual, it's remarkable, it's lovely, it's intimate. And because of that, because of that, let me get the unsavory stuff out of the way. As quickly as I can. Uh, you know where I'm going with this? I presume uh, the fact that it's very commonplace for liberal commentators and liberal scholars to suggest that actually what we're dealing with tonight is a homosexual relationship. You've heard this before. Very commonplace in our universities, certain divinity faculties, a lot of liberal commentators will say this is same-sex sexual relationship, homosexual uh, 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 attraction, right? Well, I don't want to waste <laughs> your precious time with that too much uh, this evening. I do want to say this, however, as much as anything else, do you know what that is, that idea? It's really, really bad exposition of scripture. You see what I mean? There is nothing in the text, nothing whatsoever to suggest a homosexual relationship here. Now you understand that, don't you? 
that in 1 Samuel chapter 18, there are so many people who are said to love David. And surprise, surprise, none of it is about same-sex marriage. None of it is about sexual relationship here at all. We must resist that urge to read 21st century liberal ideology back into the text of God's word. So we've got this clear, I hope. There is no homosexuality in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Are we agreed? Well, we know what it's not about. Okay? We know what it's not about. What is this about? Well, if we're going to understand this portion of scripture, what I think you must do is cast your mind back to earlier on in the sermon series. You can do that. Can you remember what you have been told and what you've encountered about Jonathan earlier in the book? Do you remember the stories, if you were here, about Jonathan? What happened with Jonathan? Do you remember chapter 14? Beautiful story. Do you remember that Jonathan, with just his armor bearer, what did he do? Just the two of them. Do you remember it? The two of them took on the Philistine army. You remember the story? It was one I loved preaching. I loved studying. It was a brilliant, exciting portion of scripture. The two of them, they clambered up. Do you remember the steep sides of the crags? And they took on tens of thousands of Philistines. They took them all on and the very ground shook. Epic stuff. Now, do you remember, if you were here, why Jonathan did it? He did it because the glory and honor of God was at stake. That was explicitly told to you in chapter 14. And now, look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. When did Jonathan's heart go to David? What are you told? You're told that it happened as soon as Saul speaks. So as soon as this episode with Goliath is finished. So David kills Goliath. And in the very next moment, Jonathan's heart goes, do you see what's happening? Why does Jonathan love this man? Why? Because he sees in him a kindred spirit. Isn't that what's going on here? He looks to David and he sees, wait a minute, this is a man like myself. Not just someone who is willing to go into battle against all the odds. But what's it about? He sees in David someone who is absolutely concerned for the glory and honor of God. That's it. He sees, here is a man like me, willing to risk it all for God's glory. And it is that, that shared priority, that brings these men together. Now, is there anything here for us? First Samuel chapter 18. Well, I think, first of all, there's a very, very practical lesson for us as a church this evening. See, in amongst all of the uh, pastoral problems... And the difficulties that we face as a congregation in London, there is one problem that keeps recurring all of the time. In the six years or however long it is I've been the minister here, the same problem. And it is the desperate loneliness that people in the congregation face in a city like London. That is a, a problem 
that we have to address. It is a problem that is very real to the congregation at LCPC. I know that if I just say, generally speaking, I say and call out, you are lonely, aren't you? Like, I know some of you silently really give assent to that. That, like, loneliness is endemic. Yes, it's endemic in London. But it's also endemic in our congregation in here. You know? Now, do you see the lesson we have here? The lesson from Jonathan surely is this. If you want friendships, and if you want deep, proper, intimate relationships, what must happen? We must prioritize the glory and honor of the Lord our God. Isn't that what screams to you from David and Jonathan? Isn't it what screams off the page? Isn't it actually what we see throughout Scripture? What about Paul? That lovely relationship he has with Aquila and Priscilla. Hmm? What about Jesus and the beautiful friendships he has with the inner three, that inner circle? What are all of those friendships and relationships based on? They are partners in the gospel, aren't they? They're desperately sharing the truth of the good news. They are concerned for the glory of God. So are you lonely tonight? A Christian who's lonely? Throw yourself into the service of the Lord Jesus Christ through his church. There's a practical lesson. Isn't there also a spiritual lesson from this relationship with with David and Jonathan? Because what is this but a picture of what God has done for you in the gospel if you're a Christian? Friends, what do we see this morning? What has God done by grace in your life? Do you see what he's done? Think of Jonathan and David. He has taken your soul. And by grace, he has knit it to his chosen anointed king. Isn't that what God has done for you? Though you do not deserve it, the God by grace and in mercy, he's gone into your life, taken your heart and he's wedded it, united it. To the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you ponder that, don't you marvel? Isn't it the most wonderful thing? If you're a Christian tonight, I can say this to you. You are as one with the Lord Jesus Christ. You, joined to Christ, bonded to Jesus. And maybe you don't feel like that tonight. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have doubts. But I can say to you, if you're a Christian, you have been crucified with Jesus. You've been buried with Jesus. You are now raised with Jesus. Do you know what's going to happen on the last day when all time fades and space fades? What will happen? Such is your intimacy with Jesus that when he receives all things from his Father's hand, you, you will rise and you will reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Such is that intimacy you have with the Son of God. What happens when you read First Samuel 18? Surely you, you rejoice and you delight in the gospel. Why? Because this relationship, ah, it is just a shadow of a deeper relationship you have with David's greater 
So we see this intimate love between David and Jonathan. The second thing we must notice as well is that this love is a devoted love. A devoted love. Do you know the name Mario Goetze? Mario Goetze. Yeah, Paul's nodding his head. Paul knows who Mario Goetze is. Uh, You speak to any football fan in the world and they're going to know who Mario Goetze is. Uh, Who is Mario Goetze? Mario Goetze is the man who won the World Cup for Germany in 2014. It's this young lad, and he was young at the time. He comes on as, yeah, I think it's a substitute in the game. He comes on, he's playing against this much-fancied Argentinian football team. And Mario Goetze scores the only goal of the game. You can imagine it. That guy's life <laughs> changed in a second. Didn't it? And here he has just scored the only goal in the World Cup final. And the place went crazy. His life was never, ever, ever going to be the same again. Now I want you to appreciate that the same is true of David in these chapters that we're dealing with just now. Now let me reiterate this to you. David and Goliath and this that we're dealing with just now happened all in the one day. It happened over a course of just a few hours. So think about it. David woke up that morning and he was a shepherd boy living in Bethlehem. How does he end the day? Not only has he managed to kill a giant, which is a pretty good day's work. Did you notice it in the text that now he is taken into the very palace? He was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem. Now he's living at the palace. Now I want you to... To notice it with me, this detail. So would you look at verse 2, please? Have a look at verse 2. And I want you to think about the contrast between verse 2 and verse 3. Verse 2, verse 3. So we've previous, I think the previous chapter, we've been told that Saul, not just Jonathan, but Saul loved David. Now, if you read verse 2 there, how would you, if I was to ask you, describe Saul's love? It's kind of, it's possessive. Isn't that a bit aggressive? This love that he's got for, do you see what he did? He, he brings David into the palace, and David's basically not allowed to return home. He's always like, he's captured, David! Now, would you contrast that and compare it with verse 3, and what Jonathan does. Did you see the contrast here? So Saul captures David, but Jonathan does what he covenants with him. He makes a covenant with David. Now, if we know anything because of the sermon series in the morning, we know that we are a reformed church. And as a reformed church, if there's any church in London tonight that should know about covenants, (laughs) it's got to be us, right? So we know how a covenant works, don't we? What do they do? They took an animal and they cut it in half. Didn't they? To make a covenant. And then the two parties in the agreement had to walk between the two parts of the animals as a way of saying, right, we're, we're doing this properly. Like we're entering into this covenant. So we understand covenants. What I want you to see and think about is why 
Jonathan commits himself to David like this. Do you see it? Look at the end of verse 3. Why does he make a covenant with him? It's so explicitly told to you. Jonathan made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. So do you see what what we've got in front of us? It's a natural thing, such as his love for this man. It's a natural thing for him to show that love in a devoted way. He loves him so much. He's united to him. It's natural for him to commit himself to David. Yes? So again, let's ask the, the, the question, what does this say to you? What does this say to me? Well, surely we have a picture here of the way in which we are supposed to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what this is? This covenant is an illustration, it's a picture, it's a portrait again, if you like, of how we are supposed to love God's anointed, appointed king. Let me just read this to you. I'm going to read a couple of lines. And you know what? I think probably... Most of you know these lines off by heart. But I want you to listen to them. And I want you to think about them very carefully. How are we supposed to love Jesus? Our Lord says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and all of your strength. Friends, do you see tonight what it is that the Lord God wants of you? Like Jonathan, God wants a lifelong, loyal, devoted commitment to his chosen king. And I don't really like saying this in a sense, but I've wondered all week whether this will be very personal to someone here tonight. Whether God is speaking directly to you in that. That it's not just a general rebuke, but that God might be calling you to greater commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what's happening tonight? Because what is going on in your life just now? Are you making big, serious decisions? Who you should be with for the rest of your life. Where you should be living. What job you should be doing. All of that without giving great concern to God's will. Is that where you're at? Is it even worse than that, friend? Are you going about your existence and prioritizing everything else over God's chosen king? Is it almost as though you are pushing Jesus out of your day-to-day life? Is that how you're living as a Christian? Well, surely you look to 1 Samuel 18 and you hear what God is saying. Pay attention to Jonathan. So united was he to God's king. What does he do? He covenants with him. Surely it is that we must be more devoted, more committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing this evening, we've seen an intimate love, we've seen a devoted love. Thirdly, let's consider a surrendering love. Uh, Over the Christmas holidays, Catherine and I, my wife and I, bought 
a new board game to play with the children. It was a poor man's Pictionary, is what it was. I was trying to remember the name of it in the car on the way, and I think the name of the, the board game was Googly Eyes. <laughs> Basically, the idea was that you put on glasses, the children put on glasses, and they have to draw a picture, which we are supposed to guess what the picture is. So what happens? Well, I spent most of the Christmas holidays with a perplexed look on my face, staring a bit of paper, wondering what on earth is that? Especially when Juliet was the artist in question. And there's a real danger that that's what happens at the end of this portion of Scripture. Do you see what happens? Look at verse 4. Jonathan has committed by covenant what does he do now he takes off his robe and his weapons his armory his belt and he gives them to david now look at that and be slightly confused what is he doing there it's it's just is it nice is it just an act of generosity what's that And we think that until we remember the first reading this evening. And what we also see elsewhere in Scripture. Do you remember what happened earlier on? Aaron comes to the end of his time in leadership over Israel. And what did he do? Did you notice, as a way of confirming that it was at the end of his reign, Aaron takes off his robe and he puts it on his successor. You see it? He divests himself of his garments, we are told, and he puts them on the one who is to succeed him in power. And then I ask you, who's Jonathan? He's Saul's son. Who's Jonathan? He's the king's son. Who's Jonathan? He is the heir to the throne. So do you see what's happening here? By taking off the robe like this, dressing David in the robe, this is in a sense an abdication. That's what's going on here. You see it? That actually Jonathan here is acknowledging that David... David is the one who is to succeed Saul. David is going to be the rightful ruler. Do you see now the picture? The glasses come off. We see the picture. What is it? This is a relinquishing of rights before the true king. And I think if you know anything as a Christian, you know this. That that is a picture of the Christian walk. Isn't it? Friends, what is it that we must do if men and women and boys and girls are going to come into God's salvation? What must we do? We must surrender to God's King. You see it? That we must too take off our robes. That we must relinquish our rights. That we must acknowledge that the crown must come from our head in our own life. That the rightful ruler actually is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder this, whether there are some in here this evening who have never, ever, 
ever, ever done that. Perhaps that's you tonight, that you've come in here and you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have never surrendered to him, you have never back king of kings. Is that where you are this evening? I want to tell you why he is a king deserving of all of your praise. Do you know what Jesus has done for his people? What he has done for us in here? (laughs) He's taken 1 Samuel 18 and he has flicked it on its head. What has the king done? What has Jesus done in his incarnation and on Calvary Hill? He, the king, has divested himself of all of his rights. Isn't that what we see in the earthly ministry of Jesus? He has taken off all that belongs to his glory. He's divested his splendor. He takes it all off at the cross. And what has he done? He dresses us, undeserving people. He dresses you and me, the righteousness and the holiness of his royal splendor. Friends, these might just be a few verses in the book of Samuel. But they tell us an awful lot of how we are to love Jesus. And they tell us an awful lot about how the Lord Jesus Christ, how he loves us. May it be that you go into this coming week better assured of this. That the most important relationship in your life at this very point, it is your relationship with Jesus, God's appointed king. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess to you that you do not take priority in our life as often as you should that we are self-centered, concerned with so many other things. We thank you so much for this picture and this relationship between Jonathan and David of what you have granted to us, that we are wed to Christ, that we are intricately bound to Jesus. There is a bond that can never, ever be separated with the very Son of God. And we thank you for how this has come about through Jesus' sacrificial death. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.